Oh, the Lord is good. Everybody doing well this morning? You know, Jesus is Lord. Glory to God. He, he died, but it was a long time ago that he died. He came out of that grave. He resurrected. Glory to God. He went up to heaven, and he now is seated at the right hand of his Father. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians that we too, those who know Jesus, we have been raised up and seated with him in heavenly places. Glory to God. So uh, no time to be sad today. No time to be sad. You might as well smile. It's actually better to be in church than to be sitting in jail. Ask Paul. He could tell you, right? It's better to be in church than to be down the street in the hospital, right? It's better to be here. Glory to God. So we're excited to be here. We're glad to be hearing the word of God. If you would turn with me to Mark chapter 5. We've been ministering on the subject of faith. Um, An amazing subject. Uh, We actually haven't ministered on this subject in quite some time. My husband actually will be... Not this week, he's in Tulsa, but the following week, he's out in California ministering in the Bible school, and he's told me he's going to be ministering on faith out there. So we're all in line and all in step, ministering on the same things. Amen? Uh, Faith is a big word, (laughs) and it means different things to different people. I mean, the Bible talks about keeping the faith, right? Uh, In in a general sense, we want to uh, understand faith is simply believing what God says, right? Uh, You can make it complicated or you can make it easy. We like to keep things easy, basic around here. I like things to be explained easily, right? So that you can understand it, so that you can do it. So uh, we're not trying to make this subject difficult, Because faith in God is not difficult. Matter of fact, as we've said in the past couple weeks, if you've gotten born again, you used faith, glory to God, to receive his grace to get born again. Simple as that. Faith is simply seeing and believing that what God has said is real. Praise the Lord. And so faith isn't complicated, but... At the same rate, uh, if we just stop with the idea of faith being used to get saved, we miss the mark. Because our faith life can be walked out, and actually our faith should be progressing and increasing. Our faith in God should be increasing as we move forward in our life as a Christian. I believe God's word more today than I did when I first got born again. When I got born again, I was 18 years old. I knew very little of the word. (laughs) Precious little. Precious little of the word. Uh, What I had heard in the word sounded good, right? But I know more today. I've I've been around the things of God. I've read the word of God. I've sat under teachers for many, many years now. I've had pastors, thank God, hallelujah, that have taught me the word. And therefore, my faith in him 
my belief in what he's able and willing to do has increased. And that's the way it ought to be. Our faith should be increasing, should be growing. And so this idea that um, faith is just kind of a stagnant thing, yeah, you believe in God, that's good, you're, you're good, you don't need any faith for anything else, um, I would disagree. I would disagree. Because God wants to do, the Bible tells us, exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think, but he doesn't just do it automatically. It requires our believing him. So with all that being said, um, I told you to go to Mark, right? Mark chapter five. I'll, I'll remind us of uh, 1 Corinthians. You don't have to turn there, but, but we started a few weeks ago when we started ministering on this subject. We looked, excuse me, at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. It says, we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, other translations say. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Praise the Lord. That's amazing. So part of our faith life is looking into, being able to see what God sees, to be able to see into God's realm, to be able to look at things that are not seen and realize what's not seen is actually more real than what I see. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. This can take a lifetime of mind renewal. As Paul, as Paul says, you need to transform our thinking to help us understand that God's realm's more real than this earth realm. Praise the Lord. And it is. Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. When you get to the point where you can say, I know what I see, but I know what he said is more real and more true. That's when we're in faith. Praise the Lord. So that being said, let's look in Mark chapter 5. Now this is an account. Jesus, when he was on this earth, he would point out different ones who had faith. And he would also make a point of letting his disciples know when they weren't using their faith. Remember that? (laughs) Where's your faith? (laughs) Oh, you of little faith. And it bothered him. It bugged him, if we could say that. Why? Because he was right there with them. And they still weren't believing what they saw. (laughs) But Jesus also would point out different folks that had great faith, that used their faith to receive from Jesus and from God. And so we're going to look at one of these, I say classic examples, because I've heard, um, of course, Our father in the faith, Brother Kenneth Hagin, he taught on faith 
all the time, wonderfully. He was the master. And if I heard him minister this particular passage once, I heard it a hundred times or more. Why? Because it's such a classic example of how faith can operate in our lives, how it should be operating in our life. And this is, um, we're going to start here in verse 21. And it says, when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and alive. I like that. (laughs) Not just well, but alive, praise the Lord, alive and well. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Now, we're not going to talk about Jairus today, but I'll give you a hint. His daughter was healed. Praise the Lord. We're not going to get to that part of the story. But I want to read this part to let you know what's going on at this point in, uh, in the day, right? Jesus has gotten off the boat. All of a sudden, he's got a crowd. He's got Jairus, one of the rulers um, that have, of the Jewish uh, synagogue there, has come to him and said, my little daughter is about to die. Now, many of us in here have kids. Some of you don't. But we can all imagine what it might be like to have a little one at the point of death. Don't want to imagine that, right? But uh, let's just say there's some urgency about Jairus, right? He knows about Jesus. He knows he's been healing people. And he needs help now. And so he's one of the first ones to beeline it to Jesus and get to him when he gets to shore. And then Jesus agrees. Okay, I'll come with you. Here we go. So Jesus, we've got Jesus, we've got Jairus, we've got 12 disciples at least. And then the Bible says there's another, who knows how many people, a crowd. A crowd follows him and is thronging him. Now, we don't use that word very much anymore, but uh, any one of us who has ever been perhaps to a football game, a hockey game, a basketball game, or any type of concert, okay? Where there's more than a thousand people, let's say. Have you ever been in a throng? (laughs) That's an example of a throng. When my husband and I were, uh, we pastored in Buffalo, New York. We pastored in a town called Orchard Park, New York, which is actually where I grew up. And it's also where the Buffalo Bills Stadium is. Um, We lived for uh, many years right next to one of the Buffalo Bill players. And he was a good old boy that would uh, sometimes, you know, he liked football. That was his thing, football. And he'd forget some of the other details. And, of course, he would get two tickets to the game most often. Actually, they'd get two tickets on the 50-yard line, and they also had seats in the box. So they had multiple tickets floating around, and sometimes he'd forget to give them away. 
And so we'd come home from church. Of course, we'd have church on Sunday morning. We'd fellowship. We'd meet with everybody. We'd help clean. We'd do whatever needed to be done. We'd get home, I don't know, maybe about noon, and we'd see two tickets hanging on our door. <laughs> and we'd look, and we'd be like, okay, the game starts at 1. Quick! And we go upstairs, and we change, and get out of our suit and tie, and, and put on the football gear. And we had another church member who lived right across from the stadium who said, Miss Ella, she was 90 years old. She was great. She said, anytime you want, just park in my driveway. So we didn't have to park in the mess. Just beeline it down there. We'd park in Miss Ella's driveway. We'd hike it across the street through the parking lot. The nice thing about that was we missed the throng. We would arrive right about the time the Jets were doing their flyby, which is always fun and impressive. Sorry to say, but it is. Um, Why? Because I've been there also in the press. And if it's a football game, in Buffalo at least, that means we call it, uh, in Buffalo, we had some very highly skilled drinkers. And they would start about 8 a.m. on Sunday. And then they would all still be drinking on their way to get into the stadium. And they would start dropping their beer cans right before they had to get in. So now you've got beer on the ground. You've got beer on everybody else. You've got the smell of drunk people all around you. And we're all pressing. Do we have that picture in our brain? That's a throng. It's not pretty. So hopefully the people thronging Jesus were not intoxicated. However, a throng is a throng. There's nothing comfortable about that many people pressing in to reach one man. Right? Because they're all after one thing. Him. His anointing. And so, uh, in the middle of this, of course, we've got Jairus. His daughter's about to die. And all he can think about, understandably, is get Jesus to my house. Get these people away so that he can get through and get to my house. And in the midst of all of this chaos... It says, verse 25, there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Okay, we're not going to get too graphic into this, but just imagine bleeding, anyone bleeding for 12 years. This is not easy, not fun. Moreover, Anyone who had any type of discharge in their body, according to Jewish law, they really weren't allowed in public. They were considered unclean. And they had to at least stay home. They weren't allowed to be out in a throng, right? Touching people. Uh, They didn't always understand what the reasoning was for the discharge, and so they just said, stay home. Don't get out. We don't know if that's contagious. We don't know what it is. So they, she was not allowed to be anywhere except her home. 
And this woman had been dealing with this for 12 years. It says she had suffered much, I imagine. Not just from the affliction, but under many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Oh, praise the Lord. But she had heard the reports about Jesus. Most of us have read some of the Gospels, I would hope. What reports was she hearing about Jesus? Healing, right? The Word tells us he went about throughout the villages teaching, preaching, and healing. That was, his, that was his M.O., right? That's what he did. Teaching, preaching, healing. Teaching, preaching, healing. And this woman, who had been sick for 12 years, confined to her home, really, for 12 years. Not allowed to work, not allowed to go out for 12 years. Heard. There's a healer. Glory to God. There's a healer. She heard the reports about Jesus and decides to do something about it. She came up behind him in the crowd. Imagine this, the throng, okay? I can't help but think about Buffalo Bills when I, when I think about this. Trying to get to that ticket counter, you know? It is not pretty. Trying to get to that one person who can take my ticket. She's pressing through this crowd to get to Jesus. For she said, verse 28, if I touch even his garment, I'll be made well. Who told her that? Who told her that? She must have heard somewhere. It said in other parts of the gospel that when Jesus would walk by, that they would throw people at him. The sick, the lame, the blind. Can you imagine being blind and your friend saying, do you trust me? <laughs> this might hurt for a minute, but I promise it'll be worth your while. They were throwing people at Jesus. And this woman heard about it. And she said, bless God. If, if the doctors can't do it after 12 years, I've got nothing left in my pocket to even buy food. Why sit here until we die, as the leper said in the Old Testament? Why just hang around and hope that something changes when I can get to somebody who can change everything? Talk about the subject of faith today, praise the Lord. This being a classic example. So she says, 
First of all, she heard reports about Jesus. And she said to herself, and she, I believe she just kept saying it, because, you know, when you're that weak, you, sometimes you got to talk to yourself <laughs> to get out of bed, and you got to talk to yourself to get dressed, and you got to talk to yourself to get outside, and you got to talk to yourself to get through a throng of people to reach the one you want to reach. And she's saying, if I'll just touch, if I can just touch his garment, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch his robe, I believe the King James says, if I can just get to him, I'll be made well. I'll be made well. I'll be made well. I'll be made well. And she kept saying that to herself over and over as she's pressing through the crowd. She might not have been saying it out loud. It might have been in, you know, just going over in her mind. But she is meditating on the fact that Jesus is my answer. Yes. Yes. Next verse. And immediately, oh, I like the immediately. I like the suddenly. Glory to God. Immediately, the flow of blood dried up. As soon as she touched. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Praise the Lord. And Jesus, I love this part, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched me? Remember, we're in a throng. How many people are touching him? Everybody that can. But not everybody's receiving. Not everybody's receiving. Jesus noticed when this woman touched, power left. Uh, when, when ministering to people, uh, for example, this week we're going to be in Healing Crusade. And when you lay hands on someone and administer healing power to them, most of the time you can tell when it leaves you and goes into them. I can also tell when it doesn't, when they're not receiving for some reason. That's another subject. But Jesus knew he could tell power just left. He hadn't stopped and prayed for her. He, had, he was just walking, right? He was just walking. And she's, I have to imagine, she's sneaking up on whatever side she can get to and, and you know, trying to be stealth. Why? She's not supposed to be out in public. I have not studied this out, but I have heard others saying, Jairus, one of the leaders of the synagogue, knew this woman. Right? They live in the same town, and he's got to go. He, he has a list of who's sick and who's been at home and who's not been at temple and why. All he needs to do is turn around and say, woman. And, you know, it's not, I won't get into it, but uh, in the Old Testament, things were a lot more severe when punishment came about. Right? So, Jesus perceives, he knows. He stops, dead in his tracks. Mind you, Jairus' daughter is still sick, dying. Jairus is standing there like, excuse me, we need to keep moving. 
and Jesus stops the throng. He stops the whole parade. And he turns around and says, somebody touch me. I need to know who. And the next verse says his disciples. I love this, his disciples. <laughs> uh, excuse me, Jesus. There's about 1,000 people here. And you're seriously asking who just touched you? Seriously. Come on, Jesus. We got a girl who's dying. We're on the way. We don't have time for this. You really want to know who touched me? And he looked around. He wasn't moved by that, was he? He wasn't moved by what his disciples said. He looked around to see who did this. He wants to know because somebody just got healed. And he wants the testimony. He wants to hear about it. This isn't going to hurt Jairus. This is going to help Jairus. Why? Because anytime we see and hear about what God has done, it builds faith. If we'll let it. He looked around to see who had done it, and the woman, knowing what had happened to her, oh, she's like, oh, can I, just go, can I just back out, not say anything, take my healing, run away, not get in trouble. But Jesus stops everything, and he's, he's like, somebody touched me, and I want to know who. So she finally ponies up. She comes in, fear and trembling, and she falls down before him, and she tells him the truth. I'm not supposed to be here. I've been sick for 12 years, but I heard about you. And I said, if I could just get to you, touch your garment, I'd be healed. And I came, and I'm healed. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. Your faith has made you well. This is one of the places, one of many actually, where we see Jesus pointing out someone's faith. And so when we see these accounts, we want to study what did they do? What did they say? How did they act? Why? Because if we want to operate in faith like people back then operated in faith, then we can glean some principles. We can learn some things about how these people operated, how they acted, and in turn, we can do the same thing. This is a wonderful example of how to operate in faith. Now, Remember what we said a couple weeks ago? My husband has a book, of course, on this subject. It's called Simple Faith. You want to be reading it. If you haven't, pull it out. Yes, we have another book. Read two books at the same time. Go for it. A double dog dare you. <laughs> but Simple Faith was a book written, really, from... Um, 
you know, when the Lord ministers something to you, it can be so simple and yet so profound. And there was a time, and you'll read about it in his book, and of course he's ministered it here, but there was a time where he was getting ready for bed. He sat down in, in, uh, at the edge of the bed, I think maybe to take off his shoes or something like that. And he, when he sat down, the Lord spoke to him. Don't mean an audible voice necessarily, but strongly on the inside, the, uh, the Spirit ministered to him, faith comes. And he kind of stopped, you know, whenever the Lord really says something strongly to you, it can, for me, it makes me like, oh, okay, holy ground right here. Lord's trying to minister to something. And he grabbed his iPad to write that down, wrote down faith comes, and then three more things came after that. And I'm going to read it so I don't mess it up, although it's not hard at all. Faith comes was the first thing the Spirit said. Second thing the Spirit said was faith says. Third, faith moves. And the fourth thing the Spirit said, faith wins. Faith comes. Faith says. Faith moves. Faith wins. And if we could look at an example that spells this out better than any other in Scripture, I think it's this woman right here. Why? Because we see the first thing before faith could come, she had to hear about Jesus. When she started hearing about Jesus, faith came. What's faith? Believing in God. (laughs) Believing God is able to do in the unseen realm what nobody else could do in the seen realm. For her, no doctor could help her. No finances could help her. No, nobody else could help her. No religious leader at the synagogue could help her. But she started hearing about somebody who could. And faith came. Faith comes when we hear. When we hear the word, when we hear about God's ability in our life, faith can come. And that's exactly what happened with this woman. She heard about Jesus and faith came. And when that faith came, What did she started to do? She started saying something. If I can, if I can get to Jesus, if I could just touch him, I'll be made well. And she started saying it more and more. Got herself out of bed. If I can, if I can get to Jesus, if I just touch him, I'll be made well. And it just, she just kept going and going. She started saying what she had heard. What, what faith was rising. When faith comes into your heart about what God can do for you, faith needs to be released in what you say. We need to start agreeing with what God has said instead of what we see. Right? 
We have to believe that what is in the unseen realm is more real than what we see in the natural realm. When we don't have enough supply in our bank account, we've got to believe that what we read during the offering in Philippians 4, that God, my God, will supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. And we've got to believe it until we are saying it. That's right. Amen. While looking at the checkbook. Yes. Oh, we get to practice this every day of our life. Every day there's going to be something that requires your faith in God. It's an exciting life. Oh, we've had such a fun week. Glory to God. You know, the week before Miracle Crusade, we always have some kind of fun test or trial that comes up. Glory to God. Why? Because there's an enemy in this world, yes. right? Yes. And he, he sees what God's doing on the earth. Just He sees what God's trying to do through you and with you in your family. And he will try and thwart. He'll try to stop it. He'll try to plug it up. He'll yeah. try to stop your movement. And you've got to know what God's dealing with you about. You've got to know what his word says. You've got to know and believe that what God said is more real than what you see. That's right. Amen. That's right. How does that happen? Faith only comes one way. Right. Oh my goodness. I'm running out of time. Faith only comes one way. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Uh, now, I told you, the Spirit said those four things to my husband. I'm preaching them because the Spirit told him. He didn't come up with it on his own, right? Yeah. So I'm just flat stealing the sermon outline. <laughs> Absolutely. Brother Copeland talks about a time when uh, he was ministering at a place with Brother Hagen. And, of course, Brother Hagen was one of his mentors. And um, Brother Hagen came out and looked at Brother Copeland's. That Back then there were cassette tapes. He started looking at his cassette tapes at the table that he was selling. And he looked at Brother Copeland, Brother Hagen did, and said, Ken, you could have at least changed the name of the title. <laughs> because Brother Copeland just listened to what Brother Hagen preached took the title and preached the same thing. That's exactly what I'm doing today. Praise the Lord. And Brother Copeland told him, Brother Hagen, if it worked for you, it's going to work for me. I'm going to preach it the same way. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Romans 10, Romans 10. I said that because um, when the Spirit spoke this to my husband, the phrase, faith comes, was the strongest of those four phrases. Meaning, the emphasis was on faith coming. Yeah, yeah. Why? You can't operate in faith until faith has come. Yeah. And faith can be fluid. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's very much like our bank accounts. <laughs> I don't know about your bank account. Maybe it stays just perfectly full. 
all the time. But mine, you know, I pay some bills and uh, I pay a mortgage payment and then all of a sudden there's like a lot less in my bank account. And for it to become full again, I need to do something to make a deposit. Faith is very much the same way. Faith has to come. It has to be deposited on the inside of you. And this ought to be, for the Christian, a daily occurrence. What does that mean? We're continually reading the word. We're continually fellowshipping and talking to our Father, hearing his direction. Because if we don't hear from him, if we don't know what this word says, faith will never come. Are you with me for a few more minutes? I want to look at this so we can get this into our spirit. We're ending here, but we're going to start with what we're going to end with, which is verse 17. Romans 10, verse 17 says, So faith comes. See that? Faith comes from what? Hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. According to scripture, we only see one way that faith comes. It's from hearing from God. Either his written word, or his spoken word, if he's ministered to you something in your spirit. Does that make sense? Faith can only come from hearing from God. Hearing the word of Christ. It's the only way we see in the Bible that faith comes. That's why we read about the woman with the issue of blood. What? She heard about Jesus. When she heard Everything changed for her. Why? Because faith came. She didn't have the written word like we do, but she heard the reports, right? She heard about him. This is how faith comes for somebody to get born again. How do I know? Let's back up a few verses. Verse 8. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, excuse me, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes. Or we could say this way, with the heart, faith comes. Right? When we hear about him. And with your mouth, faith says, with your mouth one confesses and is saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. With the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And in verse 13, he goes on to say, everyone who what? Calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of, they, of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they're sent as it's written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, verse 14 and 15 it's not really that hard. It sounds like a mouthful, but it isn't. Verse 14 and 15, you'll understand it better if you read it backwards. So let's do that. Start with verse 15. How are they to preach unless they are sent? Somebody's got to be sent to preach. Okay? So the first thing that happens are people don't just think of a preacher like me up here in a pulpit. We are all preachers when it comes to sharing the gospel. We are all to be sent. You might be sent to a different spot than I am this week, but we're all sent somewhere. Okay? So somebody has to be sent to preach. What does preach? Share the good news. We're sent to share the good news. Verse 14, once we share the good news, people hear. Once they preach, they can hear. No one's going to hear unless someone shares the good news. Our job is to help somebody else hear. Why? Because once they hear, they can believe. You see that? How are they to believe in him who they never heard? They have to hear in order to believe. They have to hear in order for faith to come. Got it? You hear, faith can come. Once faith has come, they can call. Once they've believed, now they can call. And verse 13 says, everyone who calls, ha! saved. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So verse 15, 14, 13. Just read it backwards. We are all to be sent. Why? We've got to be sent to the right people this week to share the good news. When we share the good news, they can hear. When they've heard, then faith can come and they can believe. Once they believe, believe in their heart, then they can call, confess with their mouth, and they'll be saved. But understand that this word saved doesn't just mean brought from death to life. Just doesn't mean just, and I say that kind of facetiously, just brought out of sin and made righteous. That's good. That's amazing. But this word, sozo, saved, my goodness, this is how we receive supply for our lives, deliverance for our lives, healing for our lives. This is how faith works for every area where we need God to work. We've got to hear. That means somebody's got to be sent to preach. 
That's why we come to church. That's why we sit and have a pastor. That's why it's so important to feed on the Word and take books home that teach us about the Word of God. That's why we sit and read our Bible on our own. We don't just throw it in the back seat and look for it again next Sunday before church and say, oh my God, where did I put my Bible? True story, I take a different Bible to these Miracle Crusades because we use King James there, we use ESV here, and I could not find my Bible yesterday. Of course, this is the first Miracle Crusade of this year. It's been since last fall, and I tell you, I looked all over my house. I finally found it in its box because I keep it in my Bible box so that it doesn't get smashed when I travel, when it's in my luggage. It was underneath my nightstand, not in the drawers, but on the carpet underneath. (laughs) Let's just say Jesus is Lord that I actually found that. I don't know if I could use faith to find that because uh, I'd not heard from God to put it down there, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, that's funny. All of us are to be sent. And that's why we've got to get ourselves our little self, into a seat where we can hear the Word of God. Where we can study and meditate and start putting those scriptures into us. Why? Because there's going to be circumstances that look different than what God has said. And you've got to know what God has said in order to stand in faith. Faith has to come before you can operate in We need to stop for today. But you understand this is a massive subject and we could go on and on and on and on and on. And perhaps who will, but not till next week. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand with me to your feet. Faith comes. Once faith comes, faith says. Faith moves. Faith wins. Father, thank you for the opportunity to hear your word today. Lord, even uh, that which wasn't said today, reveal to us and help us to see uh, more about this subject than we've known before. Thank you for teaching us and helping us to operate in faith as you would have us to operate. We're so grateful for your word and we're so thankful for your instruction. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You're dismissed.